I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Shit Show. If you could change one thing about the Constitution, what would it be and why? I would add an equal rights amendment to the Constitution. Kia ora, everyone. Hello. Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of The Shit Show. Yes, and today we're talking about something that is very sad to both you and I, Luce. Yeah, it's a bit of a sad one today. So we're going to be talking, obviously, about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the phenomenal human that she was and is. She really is an icon and... She was a trailblazer as a feminist and really paved the way for a lot of the rights that we don't even take in, into consideration. Mm, but Because of her. Because of her. She was an amazing woman. So me and Ruby thought that it'd be fitting to do a bit of a tribute to the notorious RBG, as she has been dubbed. Mm-hmm. And she's actually used that term herself, so I don't feel like it's disrespectful no, at all to call it that. So we thought we'd go through some of the highlights of her life and some of the things that she has accomplished so that, like you said, Ruby, we can live today pretty much without even questioning that we should have the same rights as men or as others. And then what are you going to talk to us about, Robes? I'm going to talk about what her death means for America, for the equality that she fought for for so long, and why her death is potentially really damning for a nation and for the Democrats especially. I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. As if 2020 could get any worse, here we are recording a podcast about a woman who truly walked so that other women could run. Mm-hmm. But the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and may her memory be a blessing, is significant, not just because she is an icon or a heroine, a badass, but it's because of the danger that her new loss, as you are going to talk to later, poses to life in the U.S., as, you know, everyone knows it, and puts her whole legacy in danger. So, Luce, who actually is Ruth Bader Ginsburg? So most recently, she's known as an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, which she served on from 1993 until 2020. She was the second woman to serve on the Supreme Court after Sandra Day O'Connor. To understand about who she is and why she is such an icon, we obviously need to go back to the start. So her first name is actually Joan. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, I had no idea. There were a whole lot of Jones um, in her class at kindergarten, and so she went for her middle name, which was Ruth. Wow. I know. Um, she had a bit of a sad childhood and upbringing. Her older sister died of meningitis when Ruth was just a baby, and then her mother died of cancer when she was just about to graduate high school, so... Yeah. 
she did have quite a rough childhood and then mm. it didn't stop there did it and ruth has always attributed a lot of her success and her her as a person to her mother so Mm -hmm. it sounds like she was an amazing woman yeah she would always take her to the library I think her mum had big hopes and goals that she was living in a time where she couldn't achieve Mm. after graduating high school Ruth went to Cornell University on a full scholarship and she did her bachelor's degree there during her first semester she met her future husband Marty Ginsburg now me and Ruby have actually just Rewatched on the basis of sex which is mm. the movie all about rbg's life and from what they portrayed there and that's all i really know about marty he seems like an amazing man definitely before his time yeah he seems so supportive and just championing of all ruth wanted to do he had no doubts that she could do whatever he could do yeah i was listening to an interview with ruth and she said that meeting Martin he was the first boy that she'd ever met who liked her for her smarts and for her intelligence which I think is just beautiful I love that and they have seemed very stable and you know unproblematic as Mm. a couple and yeah she went on to marry Marty who was a lawyer himself and had his own you know shit going on and then she had a baby and she had this baby before starting at law school in Harvard. So she went to Harvard fucking law school as one of nine women in a class of 500 men with a baby. Wow. Phenomenal. Phenomenal, yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And then there's this anecdote that she's told a few times that the dean of Harvard Law reportedly invited all the female law students, all nine of them, to dinner at his family home. And then he asked them all, including Ruth, to answer the question, why are you at Harvard Law School taking the place of a man? That scene is in the movie On the Basis Mm. of Sex, eh? And it's like... And quite iconic considering what she went on to do. Oh, I know. And why, you know, you should never be discriminated upon... Based on your set. Exactly. And I think she answered something like, oh, you know, so I can better support my husband and get a part-time job or something a little bit sassy, which we love from her. So during their time at law school, um, Marty was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So during this period, Ruth attended classes for herself and for him. She took notes for both of them. She typed all her husband's papers, which he would dictate to her, like lying on the couch or in bed. She was looking after their daughter and she was looking after him. And then she like succeeded in all of her studies at the same time as doing all of this. It's Honestly, unheard of. It's amazing. She is a superwoman. Yeah, I can't even... Fa- I couldn't even go to law school. No. But imagine doing that plus doing your husband's, like, Degree. Work. Who's who's a couple years ahead of you. Yeah. And looking after your child, I just think, you know, that is not to be slept on. Fuck no. That's amazing. So then she transferred to Columbia Law School, where she graduated first in her class, And then when it came to getting a job, obviously this proved really fucking difficult. So she became a teacher. Not that being a teacher is worse than being a lawyer, but she really did want to be a lawyer. And she fucking studied really hard, really hard, harder than most people to be a lawyer. Yeah, I think it's the fact that she wanted to be a lawyer and she should have been the lawyer. But because she couldn't be a lawyer, she had to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And so... 
During the 60s, she was a research associate and then an associate director at the Columbia Law School Project. So she worked on international procedure and civil procedure, and she actually learned Swedish to publish a book on civil procedure in Sweden. That's not amazing. I know. So she fucking learned a whole new language so that she could co-publish a book. That's insane. She then became a professor where she was informed that she'd be paid less than her male colleagues because she already had a husband with a well-paid job. Ugh. Like, don't worry that you're doing the same amount of hard work. Your husband makes enough money that we can pay you just a bit less. Mm. In the 70s is where Ginsburg starts to really come into her own and step foot on the scene of making fucking change happen. So she co-founded the Women's Rights Project at the American Civil Liberties Union, which we all know today as the ACLU. And in 1973, she became the project's general counsel. So, as the director of the ACLU Women's Rights Project, she argued six gender discrimination cases before the Supreme Court, and she won five of them. And this is unheard of. She was arguing to a panel of nine men. So, she was literally going up against the hounds. Mm. And she's arguing to nine men to change what they have ingrained in them. Exactly. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. It will be the poorer in terms of appreciating what is at stake and the impact of its judgments if all of its members are cast from the same mold. What were some of the amazing things that she accomplished? Honestly, I can't even begin to describe the ways that she has changed the lives of women and men, but I will go through a few. I do just want to start off by telling you guys a bit about her approach to making these changes, because I think it's really interesting. So she did have quite a slow and gradual approach to some of the laws she attacked or the changes that she wanted to make, because she knew she couldn't go in there as a woman trying to change everything at mm. once. And actually, I think Marty was also like, we need to take this, you know, step, step by, by step. step. And so he was a fantastic supporter and ally to her and all she did. Well, it makes sense. You know, if the rest of the world isn't ready, you've got to, you can't just like yell at them the end goal. I know. You've got to ease them there. Exactly. And that's what she did. So she was very strategic. This um, gradualness later on in the Supreme Court did kind of make people see her as a bit of a conservative. The end goal was liberal, but her gradual approach and, and her, her unwillingness to jump the gun, okay. I think, made people think she was more conservative. So actually, I actually read a New York Times article from 1993, which put it really well. The author wasn't attributed, so I don't know who wrote it, but they said, a friend of hers once remarked that Judge Ginsburg, who is left-handed but learnt to play golf with right-handed clubs, played golf as she decided cases, aiming left, swinging right, and hitting down the middle. Mm. And I think that's really telling of yeah. um, her time, especially in the Supreme Court. She also, while she's known as a feminist icon, had to make all these great victories by using men as the focal point. She had to argue the case that sexism hurts men too because no one was going to listen if she was going to say that women are systemically getting fucked by the laws and the constitutions. They didn't care about that. 
Turns out, if you put men at the center of these cases, and it's men that are getting discriminated against, the Supreme Court is going to listen to you a little bit closer. Mm, go and figure. Go figure. So that was a bit of a theme throughout some of the changes RBG made, and really smart and strategic approach. Mm-hmm. Even though I bet it crushed her, you know, that she couldn't go in there and just fight for women right off the bat, that she had to frame it in a certain way. Mm. But we still do stand because she got the work done. So I think a really interesting case and one of the first cases that Ruth won was the Reed versus Reed case. Do you know much about this case? No, I'd love to find out about it's it. It's actually really interesting, quite tragic, and there are themes of suicide in this case. So just a content warning there if you want to skip ahead. So I do want to talk a little bit about this case because it is really important. To put it in layman's terms, the winning of this case meant that the US Supreme Court invalidated an Idaho law that said a man was to be selected over a woman when it came to being an administrator of an estate. So dealing with someone's money and assets when they died, even when both people were equally qualified or entitled. As we're about to hear in this case, if your son died and there was a mother and a father, the father would automatically get all his money and his assets, regardless of the fact that As we will hear, the mother did all the looking after of the son. Mm. In this case, we see Sally Reed, who is a single mother who made a living by caring for disabled people in her home. Her teenage son, Skip, died tragically. According to Sally, her ex-husband, Cecil, was an abusive husband and father and deserted the family when their son was only three or four years old. After their divorce, Sally raised Skip, but Cecil was awarded partial custody of Skip when he reached his teens. And then during one of his visits to his dad, Skip was found dead in his father's basement, having apparently shot himself with his father's rifle. Skip's death was determined as a suicide, but Sally was suspicious because Cecil had just taken out a life insurance policy on the child, on Skip. Skip died without a will, and then Sally filed a petition to be appointed administrator of his estate because she was the one that looked after him. She was the one that raised him. And while he only had $495 and, you know, a few personal belongings, Cecil Reed put in a rival application saying that he should be allowed access to all of that over Sally. Wow. What a... Yeah, and well, at that time, the laws required that a male must be preferred to females when more than one person was equally qualified, if we want to say that, to administrator in a state. So he, under that law, was actually legally entitled to Mm -hmm. all of his son's belongings. The judge in Idaho automatically granted Cecil Reed access to the son's estate. And obviously, Sally immediately asked her lawyer to fight this 16 lawyers said nah you haven't got a case because the law says a man is preferred to a woman basically then sally went to the aclu and there was ruth bader ginsburg who played a massive part in writing sally's brief and then getting the u.s supreme court to deem that it was unconstitutional to discriminate on the basis of sex in this case And so this Reed vs. Reed case set the precedent for a whole lot of other cases that discriminated on the basis of sex to actually have grounds to even get to court. And, you know, if you can rule that unconstitutional, then here's a whole bunch of other things where women are being discriminated against, or men, and let's see what we can do about them. 
So thanks to Sally Reid and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the doors open for women and men to successfully challenge discriminatory laws everywhere under the Equal Protections Clause. So basically we can thank Ruth for the fact that men are no longer the only people to have control over marital property. Women have the right to sign a mortgage without a man. Women can have bank accounts on our own. Women's jobs are protected if they have kids or get pregnant. And actually, Ruth had a job while she was pregnant with her first child and she actually got demoted because she was pregnant. Oh my God. So that one hit pretty close to home. Is it not crazy? I mean, it's amazing what she's done, but is it crazy that all of these things only happened in Ruth's lifetime? I know, that, like, like in the 70s. Yeah, that women were only able to get their own bank accounts like 50 years ago. Honestly, it's fucked. Like, women couldn't sign a mortgage. They couldn't own a house. So aside from all the work she did making sure that people couldn't be discriminated against based on sex, she was also well known for dissenting when she really didn't agree with something that the Supreme Court was ruling on. Which is why she did earn herself the catchphrase, I dissent. Because you're meant to sign off by saying, I respectfully dissent, but... I guess she felt too strongly about it that she just totally omitted the respectfully and just would write, I dissent. Dissenting in the Supreme Court is just like dissenting, you know, for you and me. If we dissent to something, it means we don't agree with it. Mm. So the ruling's been made, and it's when you don't agree with the ruling, you dissent. And so she dissented on things like, you know, voting rights when the Supreme Court was trying to strip rights away from marginalised or communities that were already discriminated against. So she was a figurehead in the Supreme Court and made a lot of changes that we probably don't even realise that she made for us as women and for men. And Ruby, this is why it's so scary that she's no longer part of the Supreme Court. And I honestly want you to explain to us all why it's so scary that she's no longer part of the Supreme Court. If you could change one thing about the Constitution, what would it be and why? I would add an equal rights amendment to the Constitution. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It seems wrong to, so soon after someone's death, start thinking about the consequences or the implications of what their death will mean to the rest of us when we should be only focusing on the legacy that she has left and the amazing things that she has done. However, Ruth's death has sadly come at a really divisive time and it felt like for months leading up to her death while she was quite sick for so long that she was barely fending off this shadow of doom and now that she's gone it potentially is here. So... What this all means is basically the Supreme Court is the highest court in the federal judiciary of the United States of America. 
The judges are considered guardians of the constitution. Mm -hmm. Generally, the court considers only cases that have far-reaching implications beyond the two parties that are involved in the dispute. Uh, For example, in the famous 1954 case, Brown versus Board of Education, the justices ruled that racial segregation in public places is unconstitutional. So they have unprecedented power. So the Supreme Court basically rule on things that are going to have effects on the whole society rather than just, you know, Brown versus... Yeah, the cases are often named after certain people, Mm -hmm. but they would only really consider them, the Supreme Court would only really consider these if it was going to make overwhelming change. Like Roe v. Wade with abortion. Exactly. So there are nine justices. Each one gets a vote and the majority vote goes through. Justices are nominated by the current president and then the Senate has the power to either confirm or reject the nominee after the nominee has been submitted to a committee and passed through all of the obstacles and the vetting processes. So once confirmed, justices serve for life until they die or they retire or for some reason they are impeached. Oh my God, so I didn't realise. I thought that, you know, every new election cycle you could get some new people in there no so of the current members clarence thomas is the longest serving justice who was appointed by george h bush 28 years ago when rbg was alive the supreme court was already skewed to the right with five justices appointed under republican administrations and four by democrats with ruth's death This obviously given the potential to push this even further. If Trump nominates and gets through a third member, which rarely happens in one president's So has he already had the chance to nominate two? Trump has already nominated two. Holy shit. Including Brett Kavanaugh, which was... Fucked. We all know he was accused of sexual assault. It's a horrible choice. But despite all of this, he still got through and he will be there until... He retires. To be honest, I had no idea that the Supreme Court worked like that and that it was such a big deal and that it could be skewed. Like, if a Republican president nominates you, then here we go. We're about to have six Republicans yeah. on the Supreme Court. That's why it's so fucked. And, and this is going to do, this is going to make the rules mm. for the country. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, this has become a huge issue of concern for the Democrats. But just days before her death, Ginsburg dictated the statement to her granddaughter saying, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Yet Ruth's death was announced on 7.28pm Friday and less than an hour and a half later, Senate Majority Leader Republican Mitch McConnell said that President Trump's nominee will receive a vote on the floor, showing that McConnell had completely dismissed RBG's dying wish and wanted to rush the process through anyway. So obviously, the Republican Party want to push through another nominee before the election because they want another Republican member on the Supreme Court before potentially Joe Biden gets in and he can put someone there. And Ruth was asking, as her dying wish, pretty much, that nomination was to wait until Mm -hmm. the American people voted on who was the president, and so it could seem a bit more fair to get someone into the Supreme Court. Got it. Absolutely. And they fucking didn't... Like, it's someone's dying wish, like RBG, and you Mm -hmm. just don't even acknowledge it. 
oh, they're all little assholes. Yeah, they're assholes. And all just completely individualistic. Mm-hmm. And what's more, this move has actually been extremely hypocritical. In 2016, when Obama was serving his last year as president, the Senate Republicans actually blocked Obama's choice for the US Supreme Court. And at the time, Mitch McConnell justified this move on the grounds that it was an election year. He said in 2016, the American people should have a voice in the selection of their next Supreme Court justice. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled until we have a new president. What the fuck is the difference between 2016 and now? Literally. Yet here is Mitch wanting to push through a nomination much sooner to the election than what they fought against in 2016. It is so hypocritical, it is beyond me. President Trump has vowed to swear in um, Ginsburg's successor without delay. He said at a campaign rally in North Carolina on Saturday that I'll be putting forth a nominee next week. It will be a woman. I think that it should be a woman because I actually like women much more than men. Sorry, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, but are you discriminating on the basis of sex towards men right there, Donald Trump? I think he might be. I think he is. Fuck that guy. Oh, that idiot's and it actually makes me a bit stressed to even be talking about this. I'm not even from America. I know. I know. When America coughs, the world gets sick. Is that what it is? When America coughs, the world catches a cold. When America sneezes, the world catches a cold? That's the one. They can't do anything without us all getting fucked by it, so... Yeah, they have a lot of pull, and I think we have every reason to be concerned about what's going on in America. <sighs> I'm freaked out. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's not a sure thing that Republicans can pull this off. The Senate is only working with a narrow majority of 53 to 47. If four Republicans oppose the vote, the nomination will not go through. However, if three oppose it, it can still go through as they can call on Vice President Mike Pence to break the tie. Oh. Yeah. Already two Republican senators have said that they do not support replacing Ruth's seat before the election, yet a growing number of Republican senators have said that they do support this push. So do we need two more Republican senators to be like... I'm not going to allow this. Basically. And to confirm a Supreme Court justice, this has on average taken 67 days with the median number of 71 days to actually confirm a Supreme Court justice. However, it is only 43 days until the US election. So this would be pushing through a nomination in a insanely short amount of time. In almost half the usual time. That has never been seen in history before. Either the Republicans will have to completely rush the entire process or they will try and confirm Trump's nomination during a lame duck sitting, which basically means in the period after the election, but before the new Senate Mm. is installed. Biden has made an appeal to the Senate urging them not to vote before the November election. He's saying, please follow your conscience. Oh, do they even have consciences, the Mm. fucking Republicans? So what does Trump's replacement mean for the country? So should the Republicans get the vote through, the balance of power would shift hugely towards the conservatives and would give them control for potentially decades. It also brings into question all the gains that have been made for women, for equality, Mm -hmm. by Ruth. And these are all now under threat. 
So Bruce's death will likely ignite a fight on both sides of the presidential campaign. The Democratic fundraising platform Act Blue announced Sunday that they had raised $100 million from small dollar donations after the news broke about Ginsburg's death, a sign that Democrats are rapidly mobilizing behind this potential Supreme Court battle. But it's also likely to unite the Republicans too. While Trump's approval ratings have decreased, he may be able to use RBG's death as a way to appeal to Christian voters who do not like Trump necessarily or his character, but are willing to put that aside if they view pro-life arguments Mm. more important. Because Roe vs. Wade was already under threat and people yeah. were really worried about what would happen if Ruth wasn't there. Yeah. Well, yeah, in 2016, Trump promised to appoint Supreme Court justices who would overturn Roe v. Wade. If Trump is able to appoint Ruth's replacement, he will likely give conservatives on the court the votes they need to overturn it or at least weaken it, and the result will accelerate the two-tiered system of abortion that America is already seeing, in which the procedure is accessible in democratic states, but illegal in the rest of the Republican states. There is potential that if Roe v. Wade is abolished, anti-abortion advocates could push for a full nationwide ban on abortion. And you guys can go back to one of our last episodes where we talk about where Trump sits on abortion. And, I mean, he goes to pro-life rallies. Mm. Like, he wants to get rid of Roe v. Wade. And the thing is, is that abortions are still going to happen. They're just not going to be safe. No. Abortion's never not going to exist. It's just, are women going to be protected or not? Exactly. You can dislike abortion, but still... Have value value the safety of women's lives. Well, it's going to be black market abortions, mm. and exactly, it's going to really put women's lives in danger. And of course, none of this is certain. We don't know any of this is certain, but now that Ginsburg is gone, we really need to rally together to uphold the Roe v. Wade decision mm-hmm. and make sure that abortions are safe, like we said. And I just wanted to read out a tweet um, from Republican Doug Collins, whose remarks were genuinely disgusting and inhuman. And I hope that everyone keeps this in their head when they're making their vote. Basically, he tweeted out after Ruth's death, RIP to more than 30 million innocent babies that have been murdered during the decades that Ruth Bader Ginsburg defended pro-abortion laws. With real Donald Trump nominating a replacement that values human life, generations of unborn children have a chance to live. I hate that so much. This this is someone that is representing their country. That's actually disgusting. Disgusting. It makes me sad for Ruth because imagine your whole legacy, which when you die is meant to be looked on as this amazing thing, instead is being thrown into the balance. Like her whole mm. legacy could be undone. They, The Republicans are looking at her death as an opportunity, <sighs> which is so fucked up. So fucked up. Um, the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, Uh, This was signed into law in 2010 and designed to extend health insurance coverage to millions of uninsured Americans. It is very important, but as we know, Trump and the Republicans have really fought against this. And only a week after the upcoming election, the Supreme Court is scheduled to hear oral arguments, which was brought by the Republicans to invalidate the 2010 healthcare law. Imagine doing that during a pandemic. Imagine. I know. So (laughs) basically... If a new 
justice was able to be pushed through, this could really tip that scale even further towards the Republican side. So that is everything. I just wanted to finish up my segment with a quote from an article that we shared on our website yesterday. This was written by Annie Wu Henry, who we love, and she is a constant supporter and contributor to our platform. And I think she asked a really important question. She said, if the passing of a single justice risks the rights of millions of people and democracy itself, there is a problem intrinsic to the system. Honestly, is it really a democracy at all? It so rings true and it so rings true of the time that we're living in and that we are all rooted in these really traditional institutions that no longer serve people anymore. No. See, this is an unelected leader, one unelected leader dying and the whole norm of Mm. the US democracy being like thrown. Like, So am I right in thinking that if Trump gets his nomination through, there is going to be six Republicans mm-hmm. and three Democrats in the Supreme Court mm-hmm. for as long as they want to be there or pass yeah, away. Exactly. And I think it's important to make a note to Roberts, who is on the Republican side, but has recently served as quite a middleman mm-hmm. and has sided with a few of the Democratic rulings. However... He is still at heart a Republican and Mm -hmm. we cannot rely on him. He has been crucial and already tipped Supreme Court, but with this new nomination, he becomes redundant. Yeah. And to uphold justice is going to be really hard and it's going to be a really scary thing to watch. And it is such a shame that Ruth's legacy is overshadowed by this. By the stress of your country. And imagine in your last few days of being on this earth, you are still having to Mm. Well, we know that she held on for so long because she didn't want this to happen. Mm -hmm. And I only hope that these Republicans find the humanness in them to uphold her dying wish. And you know what I've also been thinking about when it comes to all the deaths that we've seen this year, like Chadwick Boseman and John Lewis, and now obviously RBG, is that these people, we say that they're heroes and we're really, really crushed when they die. But I think we need to stop holding single people as heroes because it's not on them. It's not on single people to change to change the face of America. It's on all of us. We need to be a united front. Yeah. Because we can force change. Exactly. And heroism is obviously amazing, but it's not that helpful when we're so crushed, when one person passes away or can no longer hold up all these rights that we Mm. live. Mm -hmm. It's on us. Yeah. And that kind of sums it up, really. What gives you the most hope for the future? My granddaughters. I'm very proud of my eldest granddaughter, who is a lawyer. She and other young people like her, I think, will help us get back on track. The only thing that I have left to say is that we know that Ruth was a Jewish woman and did a lot for Jewish women alike. And in Judaism, it's not tradition to say rest in peace. It's tradition to say, may her memory be a blessing and may her memory be an absolute blessing. Mm. I feel so lucky to have lived in the same time as her to see all the incredible things that she's done. And all we can do now is work to uphold them. 
heck yes. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I know it hasn't been the most hopeful episode, but it is important to listen to. I, I really do think that. And register to vote. And God, yeah, just vote. fucking vote. Use your voice. Oh my God, vote. We can do this. Basically, you can find us at Shit You Should Care About on Instagram and The Shit Show with lots of underscores. You can find us online at shityoushouldcareabout.com or in our Facebook group at The Shit You Should Care About Squad. And please, if you like the episode, share it on your Instagram story. We love seeing it and it really helps us out. And leave us a review if you liked it. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.